Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's sein Rhythmus. Als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, uh, we have uh, two fabulous guests, is uh, Manu Vett. Manu, how are you? Yeah, I'm excellent. Um Guess we have to kind of explain why Football Grad Network, right? Yeah, I think we'll get to that uh, in, a, in a little second, right? It's been a very busy week, um, not just in football terms, but um, podcast terms as well, I think. Uh, but uh, joining us as well is uh, back from his travels is Chris Williams. Chris, did you have a great time in Germany? An unbelievable time, Bryce. A really, really good time. So I'm a little bit happy and a little bit sad. Obviously, it's nice to come back and see my family and friends, but... Um, Everyone will know that I love Germany and it was a real sad sight for me to see the um, land of Berlin drift away as I took off this afternoon on EasyJet. So, but it's nice to be home, but I can't wait to go back in July. Yeah, and you got the cup. Yes, brought the cup home, certainly did. So, yeah, yeah. Bruce Dortmund's lucky charm, not seeing them lose yet. Oh, we have to send you over more often. <laughs> <laughs> they want you over there all season next year, this year. Uh, I'll happily do that. Yeah, I bet you would. Yeah, you've had a fantastic time. I mean, obviously, uh, the lot of us were over there uh, for uh, some live pods a few weeks ago that uh, some of you may have had listened to. Uh, we, we all had a fantastic time. But yes, as Manu said, uh, things have changed a little bit uh, as of this week. Um, we're not in a, a bit of a partnership with uh, the Anfield Index. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're going to be covering just uh, Liverpool uh, transfer rumours only, to be honest. Uh, it, the pod will continue on as usual, but uh, we're going to be part of the Football Grad Network with a, a few other pods uh, going on that uh, Manu will be uh, involved in, and, and probably Chris and I as well to a degree. Uh, and we'd just like to thank uh, the World Football Index for uh, for having us, uh, letting us start up there. And yeah, we, we really appreciate everything that they did for us. Uh, but but now we're, it's time to move on, I suppose. Okay, well, at that, let's get to uh, to football talk, really. Um, okay, well, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult not to go to Chris uh, on this one and talk about the DFB Pokal final, where we've seen Borussia Dortmund win 2-1 against Frankfurt. Uh, and, yeah, Chris, I can only imagine uh, in a fantastic um, celebration afterwards as well. It, it seems like they've, they've properly um, celebrated, whether it's uh, young players or the experienced ones or the thousands of fans. That, that greeted the bus uh, as well. It seemed like a, a hell of an occasion. Um, how was it for you sitting in the stand? 
Oh, so yeah, I was very lucky this one. Um, I'd done my work for the two weeks. So this is my last goodbye to Germany and I sat in the stands. So yeah, I was behind the goal um, with the hardcore element from the Dortmund fans. And it was as good as you could imagine it to be, Bryce. It was very, very loud. Um, there was pyrotechnics, there was smoke, and there was jumping up and down, there was singing, there was getting covered in alcohol-free beer because for the first time in a long time, there was no alcohol inside the ground. Um, it was alcohol-free beer, but it's all the same when it gets thrown all over you. Uh, it was it was a brilliant atmosphere. It was a real friendly atmosphere, Bryce and um, and Manu, you'll know anyway. But there's a special thing in Germany where fans are separated to are separated on the way in. Frankfurt fans had the U-Bahn. We had the Dortmund fans had the S-Bahn on the way in. So it's separated that way. But there was a real good, happy feeling around the whole area of Berlin. And then when we got off at the Olympiastadion, the fans were mixing to, uh, to some sort of extent but they went to their either end of their ground like they normally do um, and it was just a real party atmosphere and everybody in Dortmund on the Dortmund side was really excited because this was their fourth appearance in a final in four years and they'd lost the other three uh, I was happy to tell them that they were going to win today because I was there and I've not said I've not seen them lose so I, I went for 3-1 and in the end the um, post and the bar stopped it from being 3-1 but it was it was a really good match it, it's always hard, I think, when you're at a ground and you're there as a supporter. It's quite hard to monitor the match as I would have done from the press box. So I don't know if it was as good as I think it was, Manu. Um, but for me, it was an excellent match. It was, it was full of ups and downs and coming off the gas and not going on the gas hard enough and then hitting the bar and scoring a penalty. And then, you know, from what felt like the 97th minute of 93 or 94, um, Frankfurt had one final chance, but they couldn't take it. But all around, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable day and something that um, I certainly won't forget. The, the noise will stay with me for a long, long time. Yeah, well, well, that's it. It's obviously going to be a, a little bit more difficult uh, not to uh, get caught up on it all and all the excitement. And yeah, we all know just um, how excitable those Dortmund fans truly are. Um, Manu, if, if we look at the game, I mean, how, how do you think the game went uh, exactly? Do, do you think it was? Um, do you think it was uh, closer than what you expected? I mean, Frankfurt have have had a bit of a, a nightmare time in 2017, haven't they? In, in the league, I think they were up to second or uh, at one point, and yeah, that I think they maybe only won maybe one game in the league since then. Uh, I mean, they they weren't expected maybe to get to the final. Uh, but it, it it was two one would suggest that they they put up quite a fight, right? Yeah, um, I thought it was an interesting final. Um, I did the the live ticker on fußballstadt.com for it, and I think at one point I noted down it it looked chaotic. Um, I think that Frankfurt was very good, and they they have been at the best of times very good at breaking down the opponents um, with the limited resources that they have. And I think Niko Kovac did what Niko Kovac always does. He His teams are tactically um, very aware. Um, so they were very good at breaking down Borussia Dortmund's build-up play. They were very good at narrowing down the space for the, the likes of Marco Reus, Dembele and Aubameyang. And they were very good at switching from defense to offense. And I mean, Ante Rebic's goal was a perfect example for that, the equalizer. And I think what that meant is because they were so good uh, tactically that the game looked very chaotic because that's what Frankfurt was so good at in the, the first half of the season. Remember, we talked about how they're very physically demanding game. Um, 
was was part of the reasons why they were so good at breaking down opponents, and it meant that it's um, the ball was bouncing around around quite a bit, which wasn't great for those that want to see Dortmund's fantastic young guys play this kind of really quick transition type football. But it was something that Frankfurt really aimed for, and I thought that you know um, that they did very well in the especially after going down after the 15th minute and what a goal it was, right? Um, to basically put a stamp on that game. And I think that is something that we could take away from the whole 90 minutes, that it was basically two teams playing on an almost equal footing. Yeah, and as you said, that goal, that Dembele goal was absolutely outrageous, wasn't it? Chris, obviously it would have been uh, probably very excitable times and an eruption uh, in the ground when that one went in. Uh, But just uh, how good a goal was that? Well, looking back, um, it's a, it's a fantastic goal and quite similar to the one he scored against Bayern in the Allianz Arena, which I had a better view. So I was at the far end. Um, this goal went in at the Frankfurt end. I was obviously in the Dortmund end. So we saw him cut in and then the and the ball go in. I didn't see how good it was um, until half time when you see the replays at half time. So we saw it then. Um, just what a goal it was, and and it's something that we've we've seen with Dembele all season. He is a danger when he's running at players, and he makes them panic. And I've, especially in the European games, we've seen um, defenders fall over, which I always think is hilarious when you've got world class defenders or defenders who are at a very high level will fall over because someone's just running at them full pelt and. Manu's quite right. It was a bit of a disruptive um, game. The ball seemed to be in the air a lot. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of panic clearing. And I thought, I thought what Frankfurt did do really well is they isolated the long ball, um, and they, the goal came from that. Uh, that goal came from that. And they really, really played it well for me. That it was either Hector uh, was able to use the ball out wide very quickly, and they sort of, I think they knew that with Dortmund they couldn't play through the middle of them, so they went over the top of them at times, and, and that really played to their strengths. And you know, at one point they hit the post, um, and I think it was one-one at that point where, yeah. yeah, they hit the post that they could have gone in at half-time two-one up from being one-nil behind, which would have put a completely different spin on the game. Um, but I thought Dortmund started the second half a lot brighter. They went on the attack inside the first minutes, inside the 46 minute. And Marco Royce, you know, poor bugger, is just besieged by injury. But I thought Pulisic, when he came on, he didn't change the game, but he brought on another level of attacking spirit, which seemed to just downtrod Frankfurt a bit. And it did feel like they were holding on. And then eventually they got the penalty, which it's always strange to look at a penalty face on when you're in an end with passionate supporters and um, it looked a nailed on penalty for me but I, I don't know if it was and I've still not seen it back yet so I'll have to have a look but it did look like he got clearly brought down and the um, the 28 29,000 Dortmund fans that I was in with all screamed at once for the penalty and it was given and then a cheeky little conversion and um, from then on, I really thought they were going to go on and get the get the third goal. There's a chance before it where Aubameyang, he did a bicycle kick or a scissor kick, and, and it looked to me anyway like it hit the inside of the bar and the post and went out. Um, and then he broke through again. I think there was three or four minutes left, and he curled the ball, he curled about ball round Lucas Draki, and, and it just clipped the outside of the post again. And, and unfortunately, you know, he, he didn't get it, but he looked like a player who was really up for it from, I'd say, about a 25 minute mark. It took him a little bit of time to settle, but I thought on, on edge, or just over the edge, that Dortmund deserved it. And Frankfurt looked like they were running out of 
ideas a little, but also running out of a bit of team morale. I think they could sense that Dortmund were going to go on and win it, and, and they did, and they've brought down that curse of the last three finals. There's plenty of people I was speaking to outside, actually, Bryce and Manu, who were saying that, you know, if if they don't win this time and they get through to next year's final, they might not think about coming because they'd all been there three years on the run and seen a defeat. Yeah, I think that is something that you could really sense uh, from when you when you watch the game and the reactions of players. And Marco Royce, the, the moment he stepped up on that podium, yeah, he right away stroked the cup and uh, gave it a kiss. Uh, I think there was almost a sense of relief um, among the players and the staff and Vatske and uh, everyone involved with the club. And I think that is that is something that, you know, the curse is lifted. And that is, I think, um, maybe one of the reasons why Borussia Dortmund were so nervous after they got the lead. Um, you, you could almost sense that when Frankfurt equalized, this, oh, are we going to mess this up again? Um, like we did two years ago against Wolfsburg or last year when we, you know, when Alba Meyang missed the sitter. Um, just in the dying minutes against Bayern München, right? And you had a sense that they, they, they were a little shaken, that, you know, they could still lose this game. And uh, it's interesting that you, you mentioned Aubameyang's chances, because here too, the, the one, the bicycle kick was actually cleared off the line by Marco Fabian and then hit the crossbar on the way out. And uh, the, the last one where he completely escapes um, Frankfurt's defense and is caught up by David Abraham, who is actually the only player in the league that um, has a faster pace than uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. A lot of people don't know that about him, but that Argentinian defender is very quick. And he actually caught him, right? And uh, Aubameyang stumbles, sort of, gets the ball back and then curls the ball on the net and it just hits the crossbar. So that was that was a couple chances where they, they could have put it to bed. And, you know, as long as it is just 2-1, um, there's always a chance to come back in. And you, you, I mean, I thought when Alex Meyer came on, Frankfurt had real poise and they looked ready to come back into this match. There was a chance by Haris Severovic, who is, who, I mean, who is not the greatest goal scorer in the world. I think he scored three goals all season. Um, and, you know, that something like that can go in. And if you're only up by one goal, there's always a chance. So, you know, they saw it out, but I think there was there was a lot of nerves involved and you could sense that when the game was over that um, there was celebration, but there was almost more relief than anything else. Manu, um, obviously Chris said that he didn't have a chance to see it again. Was there any doubt over the penalty uh, decision? No, I don't know. That was a clear penalty. Look, um, Pulisic gets the ball, controls the ball, and... Um, then steps past Radetzky and Radetzky clips him on the knee and brings him down. And um, anyone you speak afterwards, the commentators, the press, everyone said this is a clear penalty. No, we don't know if Pulisic would have gotten the ball before it crosses the line, but we don't know that, right? Because he brings down the ball, the ball with the tip of his boot and then uh, tries to make that next step as the ball is in front of him. And it's at that moment Radetzky clips him. Um, I don't think it was a foul on purpose by Lukas Radetzky. He's a, he's a very good goalkeeper. And uh, I think it was just, you know, he tried to get to the ball and Pulisic tried to get to the ball. And it was one of those situations. And it's something that a referee would give outside the box every every time. So I think it was a clear penalty call. And I think anyone who has seen the game 
unless you're a diehard Eintracht Frankfurt supporter, would agree with that. And um, we, look, we're neutral on this part, right? We're I know Chris is is supposed to a Dortmund fan, but we're neutral on this part. And it was it was a clear decision in Borussia, a clear decision in the referee Dennis Eitekin. I thought Dennis Eitekin in general had a very good game as a referee. The entire team had a very good game. We don't need to talk about the referee today. So you know that's always a good sign. So yeah, clear penalty, right decision made. And uh, how good was the Panenka by Aubameyang? Very cheap. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems to take an age. I, I was just so I was looking through the net for him to take it, and it it seemed it must, did it go high? It just seemed to take ages to loop down. It did. But, yeah, but I mean the the weight that was lifted off everybody's shoulders behind the goal and to the sides, the place went mad. There's people, as, as you do when a goal goes in, you know, everywhere is the same throughout the world. When a goal goes in, people go mad. That's why we love football. And yeah, it was just real good scenes and, and something to just be amazed to be in the middle of. And, uh, and yeah, and they just do something different across the whole of Germany. Um, when goals go in, it's, it's a real, real celebration. And, um, there was a lot of worried people, Manu, and you're quite right. Frankfurt came into it last few minutes, and when the very last kick of the game was the um, free kick on the right-hand side, wasn't it, when it was lifted into the box, and there was a lot of people turning around, didn't want to see it because they were thinking, oh, here we go again. I, I have no idea, but it seemed to go way over the four minutes that were given. Uh, it felt like six, but it probably wasn't. That was probably just the tension that was in the stands, I would think. Chris, it was exactly four minutes. <laughs> there you go then. So it seems a long time, doesn't it, when you're waiting for the final whistle to go? <laughs> it was exactly four minutes. Uh, I think he even ended it early. I think it was at 3.50 or 3.55. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I bet it fell forever for you. I was I was typing up a storm doing the live vlog. So I was like, come on, give me the final whistle. I want to get out of here. I want to open my bottle of beer. Um, no, it was exactly... Um, on time and I didn't really have a feeling that Frankfurt would equalize even when they had that last minute free kick they didn't seem to have the power anymore um, they seemed very tired and of course when you're in the stadium and the anxiety hits right it's it's a very different feeling but uh, yeah I think at that point I was very sure that they would have it I think you make a good point there. So if we do have any new listeners this evening, we are completely neutral in this pod. And uh, Manu and I are both accredited journalists and we sit in the press box on many, many occasions in different um, clubs, different grounds. And for anyone that doesn't know, we're out in Leipzig. So Leipzig, Bayern Munich, and you're on the side and you get a completely different perspective when you're on the side. But for last night, for last night only, I was in the um, Dortmund end. So I'll have a little different perspective had than I would have done had it been on the side. But you did get that card from the DFB, didn't you? The, the, um, the ticket. Yeah. The ticket came from Borussia Dortmund. So I've made some really, really good friends um, in the Borussia Dortmund um, staff. Um, and, and that came from there. I had one of their um, one of their match issue tickets. Yeah. So just, just to let any new listeners uh, aware, obviously um, next season, um, a bit like how we ended uh, this season uh, on the podcast as well, we're going to be looking to uh, get to as many games uh, at, you know, over in Germany as we possibly can next year, uh, doing a few recordings, speaking to fans, you know, and yeah, c- covering it, you know, as close to the game as we possibly can. And so, apart from that, we're going to be as, as regular as, uh, as ever, bringing you um, 
updates about match days and new transfers and, and everything else, I suppose. It's going to be a rather busy summer, I think. But let's just um, go back to the, uh, the the match just for a second. Um, obviously, the, there were a few points that weren't um, as joyous uh, as the as Borussia Dortmund winning. Uh, there was obviously the injury to Royce, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, but also... Um, Manu, there, there was a, a bit of a complaint about Sahin uh, being left out of the out of the team. What, what exactly is uh, has gone on there? Yeah, but we mean we've been all talking about Thomas Tuchel now for a couple of weeks. So again, if you are a new listener to this part, um, because of this the switch of um, the, the station that we're on, um, Tuchel's situation of Dorsey Dortmund is very much in limbo at the moment. This is not because he's not a successful coach. Quite the contrary, he's a very successful coach, but he appears to have fallen out with the management and with some of his players. And the reason for that is because he's, despite being a very successful coach, he's also a, a strong personality. I don't want to say a difficult personality, but a strong personality. He's a very intelligent man, a man who knows what he wants and um, who also speaks his mind and people who know him closely and I have friends here in Munich because he went to the Ludwig Maximilian University here in Munich who know him personally and have played pickup games with him and he is um, someone when he's in the room you're aware that he's in the room and because of that there has been difficulties at Borussia Dortmund all season um, mostly between players, staff and management and we all expected that Nori Shahin um, would be playing and replacing Julian Weigel, who, who broke his ankle a um, couple of weeks ago. And he didn't. Nuri Shahin wasn't selected. And Tuchel, Chahin, Tuchel doesn't seem to be the biggest fan of Nuri Shahin. And uh, a bunch of players on the squad were very unhappy with this. And Marcel Schmelzer openly criticized Thomas Tuchel in an RD interview after the match, saying that he doesn't understand why Nuri Shahin wasn't in the squad. Now, we know that there's going to be a decision made about Thomas Tuchel next week. Um, there were a few indicators that the decision could be that he will stay. Um, Tuchel himself in an interview said that he wants to stay. Uh, this was also yesterday on RD, um, that he wants to fulfill his contract, and maybe even extend his contract. There was a very warm embrace between him and Rainer Baubal, who is the president of the club. And then, of course, him and Watzke were seen... Um, giving an embrace and chatting on the field. And it, it seemed warm. It didn't seem cold like it did after match day 34, um, where they also embraced but didn't even talk to each other. And so we have a few indicators where we think, well, he's staying. And then Schmelzer makes an interview like that. Um, a player wouldn't give an interview like that if he wouldn't know that he wouldn't have to fear repercussions. Right, Chris? So... Um, that's an indication for me that maybe he's off. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? He's, he seems that he's he's not on the best of terms with a few of the senior players. So, you know, the likes of um, Schmelzer and even Marco Royce has um, not really shown his support for him. He, I'd read in today, he seems to have quite a few friends um, in the, the younger members of the side. So the, the guys he's brought on and, and the guys he's um, he's helped develop and, and bring through. So you're looking at uh, the likes of Dembele, who, who will have some support for him. But as anyone that listens um, to us and anyone that watches football will know, the dressing room is a very powerful element. And if you lose certain senior players, it's quite hard to get them back. And 
It certainly looked like the end of match day 34 when I was lucky enough to be at, at Dortmund at Signal Iduna Park. Uh, and after the game against um, Werder Bremen, you could see um, that Sky, uh, Sky Germany, that is, who covered the Bundesliga, uh, very quickly trained one of their cameras onto uh, Thomas Tuchel and Mr. Vatska. And, and you're right, Manu, there was a... There was a hug, but it's a sort of hug that you would give someone if you're just saying, yeah, bye, I don't really like you sort of thing. Um, and it was evidently different. Uh, I tweeted out on the Football Grad Live account the picture um, saying how happy was Tuchel to win this trophy. And you can see in his face it's a it's a real joy, as you would expect, when a coach coaches a side to, you know, the, the Pokal final, one of the best um, domestic cups there is in in the world not just europe so he's re- he looked very happy and he he looked very happy i managed to catch um that little bit of that interview on um, on ard with the players as uh, when i got back to the hotel in berlin um and yeah the nori sahin didn't really say anything did he when he was when he was asked he sort of just moved the microphone over um but thomas tuka looked looked a happy guy and I don't know, is it a little bit late for him? Has the damage been done? And we've already talked about irreconcilable differences, haven't we, on this pod um, between the management, the higher management of Bruce Dortmund and the coach himself, the head coach, Thomas Tuchel. So it's going to be interesting to see. But as we found out very quickly, you know, things don't, Things don't take long to, uh, to to come to the fore in Germany. So I would be unsurprised if we don't know the future by this time next week. That's just how quick things happen. Um, if you haven't heard anything by Tuesday or Wednesday, as in, is he moving on? Then he may not be. Yeah, uh, it's interesting today was, of course, the we call in Germany the Festakt, um, the arrival of Borussia Dortmund in Dortmund, the the Caravan or on the Borsigplatz, which is, of course, the historic square in Dortmund where Borussia Dortmund was founded, right? And uh, afterwards, Hans-Joachim Watzke gave a speech, and the speech can be found on KKDE. Uh, for those that can't speak German, the, um, he thanked the players. He thanked Mark Bartra, who played the, the final with um, a special cast around his arm because he still has still suffering from the injuries from the terror attack that the team, um, you know, was attacked on just a few weeks ago, I guess a couple of months ago now. And he also thanked the coaching staff. And he said, um, Thomas, this is your first title as a coach and um, you should enjoy it. And we want to thank you as a club very much for the work that you have done to bring this title to Dortmund. And he said there's a few other nice things, but he never said, I hope there will be a lot more titles to come. Or he never said, um, you know. See you that, next week. <laughs> see you next week. It was. It didn't think seem like a goodbye, but I also left the doors open. Like he didn't use the words. You know, when um, in any other situation, if you if you're in club when he was back in Dortmund, if he had won the title, he would say, well, we we'll hope that this is going to be the first of many titles to come with you as the coach, right? But he said, this is your first title as the coach, and. It's a ma- massive benchmark for you and your team, but he didn't say he didn't use the, the, the there was no connection between the title, the, the coaching staff and the club and the wording. Now, this is, could be tactical, right? He doesn't want to go into this talk and saying, well, in the speech that you gave at the at the Bankettrede, uh, as you call it in German, you didn't say, look, you, did, you said, well, this is the first title of many that you're going to win with us, right? So this is all tactical games at the moment. And, um, I think 
personally, I think there's still a chance that Thomas Tuchel could be coach next season. And the it will be really coming down to what will those two and Michael Zorko. Michael Zorko got an extra speech, by the way, too. He called him the best sporting director in Europe because of all he's won all the titles that they're to win now. And because he's managed to rebuild the squad every time they lost a big player. So he's called him the best sporting director in Europe. And I think he's not that far off of that one. But that was a different speech because it was almost, you know, you could sense um, in that speech that he gave for Sork that he's, he said that. And he also said, this was an interesting quote, we had many differences, but we would never talk about these differences in public. Now, you could almost sense that that was another one that was directed towards Thomas Tuchel. So I think um, there will be a sit-down between Watzke, Zorg, and Thomas Tuchel. And in this talk, anything could happen. And it really will come down to, are we going to do this together? Are we going to have, be in a partnership where we are going to discuss things openly between the three of us and maybe even fight between the three of us but none of that will be leaked to the public. Are we going to be able to move this team forward the way Borussia Dortmund wants to display itself in the world? Are we going to do that as a united front? And if the if one of the three in the in this partnership feel that's not possible, then it's over. And if they sit down and say, and Thomas Tuchel says, look, yes, I'm a young coach. I've made some mistakes. And um, I am willing to change in a way that we can make Borussia Dortmund one of the most successful clubs in Europe because that's the goal. Then I think it will move forward with him as the coach. And I think that's really what it will come down to. And I think that's a 50-50 call at the moment. He certainly looked very relaxed on the bus, didn't he? If you've managed to see mm. um, the video that was streamed um, via Dortmund's Facebook page, he, he was laughing and joking. And he's also laughing and joking with the press that are on and uh, I've seen some clips of him where he's 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 trying to back up his dancing's actually not as bad as everybody made out last night because obviously the team went out to the Adagio nightclub in Berlin until very very early this morning. Um, so they've obviously had a good night, and he looks like I don't know if he looks like a, a manager who or a coach who's going somewhere this week. He looks relaxed. Maybe he feels he's in a real strong. Um, good bargaining position now he's he's brought the title or he's brought a title back to the club for the first time in a while um we all know and we've talked about it before how Bayern next season are going to be impacted by retirements uh, we've had other teams that would normally be challenging for by the wayside so like so Leverkusen and Schalke and Gladbach have all taken a back seat this year so you've got Leipzig and Hoffenheim but Dortmund have got an immensely talented young side and I think I've said it Manu and you've said it at they almost stand on a cusp of if they can if they can keep a Bamiang, which you know we're going to get onto, and if they can keep Thomas Tuchel, they've got a real chance now of putting down a four or five year plan. It's whether he's going to be the man to do it or is Lucien Favre going to come in. This is what we're going to, I think, find out very quickly in the next 48, 72 hours. Well, Chris, uh, do you mind me asking, um, well, what's the view from the, the Dortmund fans? Do, do they want him to stay on uh, or Oh, or not. The um, the support for Thomas Tuchel last night um, from the elements that I were in, so behind the goal where everybody was stood, even though it was seated, we were stood for the whole match. Um, Thomas Tuchel's name was shouted um, and cheered a lot. 
um, after the final whistle, you've got the screens all around the ground when he was on it. He was, um, he was being like clapped and cheered and, and he had a lot of vocal support and, and uh, the opposite for Mr. Vatsko when he came on the TV was booed and whistled. Um, so it looks as if the supporting element, the members of the club, the ones that have a, you know, a very big voting aspect, um, in, in the way the club's done and the club's affairs have seemed to side on the back that they want Thomas Tuchel to be the man who takes them forward. And obviously a uh, man who said that he sees the situation as 50-50 as to whether he, he stays or go. If, if you're being absolutely honest, what way do you see this uh, panning out? Um, unfortunately, and it's going to generate no conversation, I'm in complete agreement with Manu. I think it is as open as 50-50. He could or he couldn't. That's at the minute. That's how open um, they will sit down and they will talk. And I get the feeling that all three of them think, well, it's 50 50 here. And if they can't agree, Thomas Tuchel is not going to be short of job offers. So he'll be happy. He'll just walk into another job. He may be disappointed to leave Bruce Dortmund and the project that he was brought in to help build and work upon, although he wasn't expecting to lose the plays he did last year. Um, and he's just managed to get Dahoud and Toprak, who he wanted last season, or the start of this season that's just finished. So he's managed to get the players in that he wants. So he may not want to walk away, but he may not be willing to give up, not power, because he don't have power as in traditionally, like they do in other parts of Europe, where they're, they're coaches and manager in essence. It, it's a difficult one. So and, and it is 50-50. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes, and I wouldn't be surprised if he stays. If you're asking me what do I think is going to happen, I think now they've won the Pokal, they'll work their differences out. I think had they lost to Frankfurt on Saturday, he probably would have gone. Um, so I would err on the 51-49 for him to stay. <laughs> OK, then. Well, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm sure there'll be uh, plenty of clubs uh, knocking around, um, eager to take him on board if he does decide to leave. But uh, we'll obviously watch that one carefully and, well, we'll be reporting on it uh, quite regularly, won't we? Um, another man that could potentially leave, uh, there's been plenty of talk about that as well, is Pierre-Emerick uh, Aubameyang. Uh, obviously, the Bundesliga's highest goal scorer this year, and with that penalty that we've seen in the Pokal final, you know, he's uh, absolutely uh, you know, beaming with confidence at the moment. Uh, Manu, where do we see this going? I mean, we reported a while back, uh, didn't we, on one of the pods, um, after he had made an announcement on French radio that he could pot- potentially move on, that he, he he needed to go to almost a higher level of club. Uh, do you think he, he still believes that? Or, or what, where do you see him going this summer, if anywhere? Yeah, well, the big rumour is Paris Saint-Germain, right? Um, that is what a lot of people are expecting. I think... It's similar to to the Thomas Tuchel rumor. Um, it's a 50-50 chance at the moment where he's going to end up. You know, this this echoes what I said last week. The I feel the statements that he has made um, about you know maybe wanting more money or the fact that he wants to talk is is not about maybe moving, but you know becoming the highest paid player at the club or at least getting as much money as. Marco Royce is getting, uh, who and he is the highest paid player at the club at the moment. So um, I think it's a 50-50. I think it's very interesting what Hans-Joachim Watzke said yesterday on RD just before the game. They asked him, um, well, what about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? And he's like, well, fact is, Aubameyang hasn't said anything to us yet. Fact is also, we haven't gotten a single offer from any club about 
his services or for his services. So, you know, there is always a lot written in the press. Um, it's a way to generate clicks. It's a way to sell papers. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I'm sure clubs like Paris Saint-Germain are interested in signing him. I'm sure AC Milan is interested in signing him. Although I saw today that they have landed Morata from Real Madrid for 40 million euros. So I don't think they're going to be able to afford both. It's a tricky one. I personally think, and I mean, I know this working for Bundesliga.com and working in the, in the social media, um, it is someone who we wouldn't want to see go from the league or from Borussia Dortmund because he is a personality. He brings something to German football that not a lot of other people do. Um, and a lot of people you know, don't like his off-field behavior, the fact that he drives. A, it's a Lamborghini, right, Chris? Um, yeah, is he drives the only Lamborghini in Dortmund? Yeah, but you know, joke is he only the only reason for that is because Marco Roy is his fake uh, driver's license. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that joke never gets old, doesn't it? But I think you know these are things that we love about him. We love his crazy haircuts. We love you know we all remember his Mar- his goal celebration together with Marco Roy's last season where they were Batman and Robin. Um, wasn't a big fan of his Nike Venom um, celebration. I think that was a bit too commercial. But, you know, you need this kind of stuff. You need this edging on. The, the crazy stuff that he wears, the, the, the haircuts, etc. Um, we need this uh, as a league, as a product that's needed. Uh, the club needs it. And, I mean, he's, a, he's an excellent player. The, the, the stuff that he does on the field um, is remarkable. And remember, he... Is the for the first time in Bundesliga history someone scored 30 goals and didn't win the goal scoring title? And that's because Pierre Emerick Aubameyang scored 31. I, I think these are all reasons for that. I hope personally that he's going to stay. Um, and I think in the end of the day, Borussia Dortmund should force him to stay, and they can because he's under contract until 2020. And uh, if they say, look, look, you can do whatever you want, but we're not selling you, then he will have to stay. And I think um, Borussia Dortmund at a club, they're now in an interesting crossroads. I remember when Bayern refused to sell Frank Ribéry all the way back, I believe it was in 2008 or 2009. And they more or less forced him to stay and then he ended up signing a new contract. And that did a world of good for Bayern München because they became a world-class club after this. And the league made a huge step forward. And I think this is the same thing. Pierre, if Borussia Dortmund wants to get into the same level than Bayern Munich, they need to have, keep him in the club. And they have all the tools to do so because he's under contract. And I think if it takes him to get paid a little bit more, I think he would be worth every single euro. Yeah, he's going to cost somebody an awful lot of money if he does go anywhere. Uh, I mean, Chris, um, how would you even replace uh, a player like that if he left? I don't think you do at the moment. I don't think you you pick someone. Or you don't think you can go and sign someone who comes in and replaces him and scores those 31 goals straight away from outside of the league. Um, obviously, the only way they could replace those 30 goals is by... Um, Sign in the the other person that scored those thirty goals, but there's no way that Bayern would sell would sell um, Lewandowski back. So it's not happening. Uh, that's the only way you could replace him. I I'm in the same vein with Manu. I think does he want to go or does he want to be earning a little bit more money? Well, if he wants to be earning a little bit more money, wow, he's in the best seat to be negotiating that. Not only is he the top scorer in the league with thirty one, he's also just won that club. 
um, the Pokal, their first um, their first trophy for a, a, not a long time, but the first trophy for a good few seasons. So he is he now holds all the tools to be able to get himself a, a more improved deal if that's what he wants. But he's he's come across um, he's, he's he's come across the man the um, head managers carpet a couple of times hasn't he so not just Thomas Tuchel who's the head coach but he's annoyed Mr Vatska a couple of times one with his Nike his Nike mask which uh, they were not happy about in Borussia Dortmund at all find him for it um, there's all stories about him jetting off he's got a private jet by the way so he jets off back to um, he jets off back to to France and goes and sees his hairdresser when maybe he should be doing other things. So, but he's a young lad. He's twenty seven. He's just hitting his prime now. So he is in his prime. This is the worst time that Borussia Dortmund could sell Aubameyang. Is now twenty seven because I quite think that if he stays, he will go on and score another thirty one goals next season. He'll probably be determined to beat his own record. So he'll probably try and hit thirty two. So. I would be bitterly disappointed for the same reasons that Manu is because you want to see the best players stay in the league. You want to be able to see the likes of Borussia Dortmund um, consistently challenged, not just in the in the Bundesliga, but also on the European scene as well. So, and I would feel that if they got rid of him, not only would they be unable to challenge for the title next year as much as they would have done, um, I think it will really hamper their Champions League prospects and they're straight in at the group stage. They will look to go a little bit further than they would have done and who knows what would have happened this year if they wouldn't have um, encountered the you know, the, the the terrorist attack that they did. Would they have, have gotten past Monaco? Would they have eventually fallen to um, Juventus? Who knows? We'll never know. But I would like to see um, Aubameyang stay in the league and that's purely from a selfish point because I'd like to watch him week in week out and I'd like to be able to come on on the podcast and talk about him I'd like to be able to write articles for him for fushballstat.com and for football grad so yeah I really hope he stays and I would fear for Dortmund how they replace um, that many goals we've seen it throughout the whole of Europe a player of that stature leaves how do you replace those goals so quickly especially when the teams around them aren't going to be selling, I can't see, I I can't see his nearest challenge will be Anthony Modeste. I can't see him moving from Cologne. He's probably too old for the Dortmund project. Then you're looking at Timo Werner. Well, Leipzig do not want to sell him. I've lost count of how many times I said that this week, mostly to Liverpool fans. I'm a Liverpool fan myself as well, by the way, um, who think that Naby Keita is on the next plane home um, or the next plane over from uh, from Germany. He's not. He's not Leipzig. Don't want to sell. They don't want to sell Keita. They don't want to sell Werner. So who are who would Dortmund replace him with? It would be really, really hard for them to replace Aubameyang, and and it would be detrimental, I think, if they if they sold him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think we've just seen them go through a bit of a transitional and developmental um, season uh, with Tuchel and a lot of the young players, and they've made a lot of ground, especially towards the end of the uh, season and losing him would just be a backward step really wouldn't it um, we're, we're going to talk about somebody else that's um, encountered a bit of bad news and that's uh, Marco Royce I mean we all know just how fantastic a player he is and how vital he is to Dortmund uh, but he's come off injured hasn't he um, Manu it was suggested in an interview uh, wasn't it um, that it, it may be a slight ACL problem that he has yeah he said oh um he you, you could tell that he was just uh very happy that he's finally won the cup um his knee was all taped up and he was uh sort of hobbling around all evening and they asked him an interview oh you hurt again and uh 
Then he said, well, the physio said, this is, this is, this is one that it's very hard to translate. He said, well, yeah, the, the physio had gemeint ein bisschen Kreuzband. So the physio said a little bit of ACL. And, um, you know, we all know an ACL is never little. <laughs> When that thing goes, that's, um, you know, I've, I've been through that injury myself. That is, that is not a little injury. Um, I just read online that they think that he uh, it's a part rapture of the ACL. So that would be three months. You don't have to operate that. That's good news. Um, complete rupture would have been, that's the better part of a year. Uh, so, you know, if it's three months, then it's May now, right? He'll be back in August. No problem. But uh, yeah, that statement, I'm missing Kreuzband. Um, you know, that's a whole bunch of people in Germany were holding the breath because it would have been another major injury for a player who, in my opinion, is the most talented player of his generation in Germany. And uh, it has been, when you look back, you know, he got hurt in the last test match before the World Cup. He would be a world champion today. The amount of titles that Borussia Dortmund maybe could have won if he were fit. Um, so, you know, he's the most talented player of his generation in Germany, but, but probably also the unluckiest and I don't know what they need to do to keep him fit but it's just he's just so his his he's he's very dained you know when you look at him he's a he's a very slight frame and it's it's tricky to look at that and say well what can we do to stabilize his body so that he can his body can withstand the the enormous pressures of being a professional player so I, I I only can wish him all the best because I personally I, I love watching him play. When he's on when he's on, he almost it almost seems like he floats over the field, doesn't it, Chris? Oh, he's a fantastic player and he's he's had an awful um season injury wise. His his season didn't start until November, so he missed the first couple of months. Um then he picked himself up a couple of yellow cards, so he missed a game. Um in fact it was the last game at the first part of the season, so he didn't play in a draw against Augsburg. And then he was just getting back into into the swing of things and he tore his hamstring, didn't he, against Bayer Leverkusen in that 6-2 victory. He came off at half-time and, and then we didn't see him again until um, they played Frankfurt, which was um, in April. Um, and he played half a match there and they won 3-1. And he's, it's been a part then for him getting back from the... Um, from the hamstring injury he had, so he played half a game, then it went up to 60 minutes. And then he didn't really play a full, well, he, he, there's no really about it. He didn't play a full 90 minutes um, until match day 33 when they played Augsburg. And then he played a full 90 in the game against Werder Bremen. But if you have a look uh, over the 34 match days that we've had this year, he's only played 90 minutes five times. Um, it, it's a lot. He's played 18 games in total, and out of those 18, he's um, he's only played for the full lot for five. He's been out injured the rest. And we said it earlier on. You could see how happy he was to uh, win that trophy. And he, a partial ACL tear. Wow, I, I don't know if I've heard of one of them. You either normally tear it badly or you you aggravate it. So I'm hoping it's a three monther. Um, it could be anywhere up to six though by the time he does his rehab and yeah it, I, I fear for him and you're right man he's an exceptionally talented player and they just he just seems to have been beset by injuries for the last couple of seasons yeah it's a, it's a bit of an odd one isn't it you don't normally hear players uh just kind of brush off um oh yeah it's a bit of an acl issue do you it's normally 
a little bit more more important and uh, detrimental. It might, it might be Bryce that he's he's had a he's had a cup final win yesterday. He's over the moon. He probably doesn't want to think about the fact he's not going to kick a ball again for three, four, five, six months. Um, he probably wants to enjoy the moment, which is why he may have just been able to shrug it off and laugh it off. I think tomorrow morning when he gets up, now all the celebrations are gone. He may be in a different mindset. Yeah, very true. Um, he might be almost um, yeah just enjoying the moment, eh? But yeah, we'll we'll move on. Um, I mean, hopefully, uh, Marco Royce, um, you know, can be fit for the start of the season. But um, that would suggest that it might be a little bit longer than that. Um, yeah. So let let's look at uh, a few of the other things uh, coming up. Uh, well, Chris, I, th- I think it'd be a, a bit silly for us not to uh, mention this uh, 180 minutes um, of hell, the relegation. Uh, I think we we need to. Uh, touch on that a little bit the relegation battle you you were at the uh the first uh round where we see a Wolfsburg win 1-0 um how was that game and how do you see uh tomorrow's match going oh it's a little nervy as all relegation playoffs are so if anybody's unfamiliar with the format of the Bundesliga it's the bottom three that go down and the pop the top three that go up um that's for a normal league in the Bundesliga it's the bottom two that get relegated automatically and the top two from the second Bundesliga get relegated uh, get promoted that leaves your third place in Bundesliga two and your 16th place in the Bundesliga. They play each other over a two-legged fixture, and it's a relegation playoff. And that's why I was lucky enough to go to the other night in Wolfsburg, Thursday night. Um, Yeah, it was nervy. You couldn't really tell who was the Bundesliga side and who was the Bundesliga 2 side. I thought Braunschweig played very, very well, and they'll be happy that it's only 1-0. It it could have potentially been a little more, but it's it's a slim lead that Wolfsburg will take away with them um yeah it's 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 180 minutes of hell for a reason yeah Manu obviously you're um you're going to be a little bit tied up with the other 180 minutes uh, of hell that sees 1860 in uh, Bundesliga 2 um them trying to get out of out of that one really I mean you guys were 1-0 down but managed to uh, come back uh, in the last I believe last five minutes was it last seven minutes uh, and make it one all I mean how do you feel about going into the second leg of that well, it's a positive result. Um, I guess we have the slight advantage now, but uh, uh, I just finished a preview on that. Actually, both the previews are up on fußballstadt.com for the return legs. Uh, I hope, I, I think it could be a 0 0 tie, which then, of course, would see us through. But my tip was 1 0 for 1860. The reason I tipped that is because the last time the the teams were in the same league was in 2012, 2013, and uh, the away fixture was 1-1, and the the home fixture for 1860 was 1-0. And um, I hope that that will happen this this week as well. I start today. 60,000 tickets have been sold already for this game, so I'm positive there will be 75,000 1860 fans in the stands at the Allianz Arena. That's that's an edge that is going to be hard to take from us. Yeah, very much so. They're going to be two very exciting ties, and I would advise people to tune in for them, uh, two very tense ties. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we mentioned um, as well that uh, German clubs, they like to do their business early doors, Chris, uh, don't they? They like to do transfers early uh, and coach changes as well. I mean, how, how important are the next few weeks, the start of this summer period, uh, going to be for those clubs? Uh, and do you see anything anything in particular happening that um, you, you would like to bring our attention to? Well, it's started already, hasn't it? So we've had, um, 
with our Vincenzo Grifo move from Freiburg, who had a fantastic season, and thanks to Dortmund's um, Pokalwin, who qualified for the Europa League. So um, they'll be really disappointed to lose their, um, well, they can play left or right-sided or central, but predominantly left-sided midfielder um, who's gone to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Gladbach, of course, looking to make a stake um, of a better season than they've had um, the the past season that we've seen. So this coming season, 17-18, they'll be hoping that they're going to do a lot better than they've done, um, languishing um, a little bit lower than they would have liked uh, this, this season just gone. So, so, yeah, they've made their move already and, and it's almost that will start now, the crescendo of transfers of people moving and there's already been links. Uh, there's just so many links going on at the moment. Um, it's whether they're going to happen in the next few days. But, yeah, you're quite right. Um, German clubs don't have, tend to hang about. So once the season, season's finished, as in yesterday, done, Pokal finals done, bang, there'll be transfers moving afoot. And, uh, man, there's been lots of uh, transfer rumours just today, hasn't there? Yeah, the one that I saw um, today was uh, Darby Selke really wants to leave Leipzig and um, he wants to return to Werder Bremen, but Bremen and Leipzig haven't been able to find a solution in terms of, of the transfer fees. So... What I've heard is that there's been about a couple of English teams that are very interested in him. And one of them is West Ham United. They're desperate in finding a striker who deserves the term, I guess. And the other one is Everton. Um, but Everton have a striker, a very good one. And um, Romelu Lukaku, um, I mean, if you believe the Salka rumor, that would kind of tie in with Romelu Lukaku possibly leaving the club. So I find that one very interesting. But Selke has been somewhat adamant that he wants to stay in Germany and that he wants to return home to Bremen, to his former club. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one, a rumor that uh, we're following. And the other one is that, uh, that the we all kind of know this is going to probably happen very soon, right, with uh, Alexei Sanchez. But the Chilean Football Association with a big oopsie, um, <laughs> that's, that's the understatement of the week I think <laughs> slide oopsie they uh, published their Confederations Cup roster and I follow this tournament closely because I'm accredited for it and um, I am going to be in Russia for the entire tournament there will be lots of pots coming your way but this is this, despite the topic because they published their squad list on Twitter and uh, the logo next to Alex- Alexei Sanchez's name was an Arsenal's. So it was Bayern München's. And <laughs> maybe they know something that we don't. But, I mean, when, when you hear around, I'm in Munich right now. Um, this is where I was born and raised. And when when you listen to the right people, um, you very much get the indication that that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, we kind of uh, suggested that one quite a while back, didn't we? And it, it seems increasingly more likely to to happen really doesn't it um guys uh, just a uh, is there anything else that we'd like to uh, kind of uh, cover uh, that's coming up in german football i know uh, manu you're you're going to be at the confederations cup aren't you um would you just like to explain to anyone uh, what exactly the confederations cup uh, is and uh, what sides are going to be there yeah yeah the confederations cup the fifa does this um I guess they, they, they first started it really in uh, 2001. Uh, it, it already existed before that, but it wasn't as regular. Um, the Confederations Cup is the, the tournament that FIFA likes to use as a test tournament the year before the big, the big World Cup. Um, so, of course, the last one was in 2013 in Brazil. The 2009 one was in South Africa. 2005 was in Germany. 
and then I believe 2001 it was it wasn't actually in Japan and Korea there was it was somewhere else but um, since 2005 it was regularly used as sort of the the, the staging ground or the the curtain raiser for the World Cup so um, football grad was uh, you know it says so on the Twitter account was born born in the post Soviet space and now covers everything uh, really and we you know all the leagues bundesliga especially but also still russian football quite a lot and ukrainian football as well and as such um you know we have very good connections to that area of the world and um we were able to get accredited so you know andrew flynn who, who listeners are going to find on the football grad podcast um and i will be in russia this summer and we got fully accredited and we'll be covering a bunch of games and uh, we'll be talking to players. We'll be bringing stories and, you know, that's going to be something very exciting. And there will be podcasts coming your way as well on this very channel. So stay tuned for that. But um, what we, we are also really hoping to do, and this is something that's going to be a wider range, is that we're going to send a whole team there next year. So we're going to try to cover as many games and teams as possible for the World Cup. But to get back to the Confederation Cup, it's basically the six continental champions and the world champion and the host. So Germany, Russia, New Zealand, Australia, don't be confused. They're the Asian champion, Cameroon, Portugal, Chile, and Mexico, and Russia and Germany, of course. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. And will they take first teams there, or how seriously will the sides be, be taking this competition? Yeah, so, I mean... It really varies, but Germany, um, they're in a difficult situation that they want to rest seven, eight players this summer, so they have. Um, and they also the U21 tournament is very important for Germany's National Football Association, the DFB. So they, they send a lot of the first teamers to that tournament instead. So instead, they send a perspective team. Now, people will say, well, that's not a very good squad. It is. It's a very good squad, and it's probably a squad that could technically win this tournament. Um, we are in a very fortunate situation in German football right now that, you know, um, we saw this at the Olympics where we basically sent a squad that was not our A, not our B, not our C. It was an OD squad with a couple of players that really looked for new contracts, etc. And they finished second, you know, by one penalty uh, against the Brazil side that um, could be very well their first team. So we're very deep right now, and I think we're going to send a squad that's going to be very good. And we have a very good article on that on the squad that we're sending to the Confederations Cup and the individual players and players to look out for because there's very, very a bunch of very interesting names on that squad list on Fußballstadt.com. So if you're interested to find out more, you can go over there and, and find that article there. I mean, it may be a young squad, but look straight away you've got. Um, to Stegen in goal, Barcelona goalkeeper. Then you've got defenders, Ginter, Hector, Hendricks, Kimmich, Plattenhart, who's had a fantastic season. Sula is going to go to Bayern. And then the midfields and attackers, wow, I'd handpick most of them to come and play at Liverpool. You've got Julian Brandt, Emre Chan, who's at Liverpool. You've got um, Dembre, Deme, Draxler, Godzeka, Rudy, Sane, Stindl, Wagner, Werner. Wow, what that is. That has got a chance of winning um, that whole competition, that German squad. I think it's youthful, um, and it's. I think it's going to be one of the most exciting squads that's going to be at the tournament. Yeah, most certainly. And uh, Chris, uh, don't worry, they'll all get linked to Liverpool this summer anyway, because that's the way it seems to go, doesn't it? Uh, 
But yeah, I, I think we'll uh, more or less uh, wrap it up there. Uh, Chris, uh, let, let's just go to you. Have, have you got anything uh, going on this week that you'd like to plug or draw people's attention to? Um, um, prospectively, yes. I uh, may be doing a little bit of YouTube work with uh, one of the big Liverpool YouTube channels. Just need to nail that down. So um, I'm not going to say what I'm doing because it's not been ratified yet. But um, if you check my Twitter account out, which is um, Chris78Williams, you'll soon see something on that. I'm also be doing some work for um, for Manu's fantastic site that we're all part of. So it'll be footballstat.com. Um, maybe getting a few Bayern Munich fans a little bit excited looking at is Romelu Lukaku a decent fit at Bayern? Very exciting. Eh? Uh, Manu, what have you got going on this week? Uh, where can people find you on Twitter as well? Yeah, people can find me on at um, ManuelF. Really simple. Um, yeah, tons of going on. We have the two um, relegation playoff previews out. Um, I'm working on starting a series for footballgrad.com to sort of promote the stars of the Confed Cup. Um, so we're starting with um, Roman Sopnin from Spartak Moscow midfielder, very interesting player, 23 years old. He was recently linked with Schalke. So he's going to be the, the first player uh, featured on this Comfort Cup, um, on many Comfort Cup articles that are coming on footballgrad.com. And then uh, we've mostly already talked about previewing, writing a preview for footballgrad.com on every single team that's at the Comfort Cup. So there's tons of stuff now coming as we're going towards the tournament. So stay tuned on that. can be all found at, at footballgrad live, including this podcast. Yes, indeed. I think we'll uh, more or less uh, wrap it up there. I've been your host, uh, Bryce Dunn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, tuning in, um, especially to our first uh, podcast with the Football Grad Network. Yes, we lived up to uh, the German transfer rule and doing it early doors, didn't we? Uh, but uh, we're going to have plenty more coming uh, in the next few uh, weeks, uh, months, uh, possibly years. Eh? Uh, make sure to tune in. Uh, we'll have plenty of transfer rumours, I think, uh, next week, as always. And our feeders in. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Ich hab zu Imagine if you could dry, detangle, style and volumize your hair all in one step. Well, it's easy with the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush by Conair. Create beautiful blowout styles at home with a powerful 1,000-watt motor for quick drying and easy glide Flexalite bristles for snag-free detangling. Customize styling with three heat settings and use the cool shot to lock in your look. Ionic technology reduces frizz, bonus attachment volumizes your hair, makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush now. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.